Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is April 25th, 2022. I know Dominate. Today's headlines. Elon Musk and the Twitter board are close to finalizing a deal. Next, Obama's Ukraine envoy admits that Vladimir Putin would not have invaded under President Trump. Third, a Blue Anon lawyer puts Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene on trial over January 6th. And finally, Beijing is planning lockdowns as the CCP eyes the Solomon Islands. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. You tweet a lot. I, I use my tweets to express myself. <laughs> Some people oh use God. their hair. I use Twitter. <laughs> well, but you use your tweeting to, to kind of get back at critics. Rarely. You, you kind of have little wars with the press. Twitter is a war zone. If somebody's going to jump in the war zone, it's like, okay, you're in the arena. Let's go. Well, the story just broke this morning, only moments before we went to record the show today, record the podcast. Elon Musk. And we've been covering the ins and outs of his quest. And that's really what it is, a quest to purchase Twitter and take it private in the name of freedom of speech. You know, there was an interview with him uh, over the weekend, uh, I guess at this Tesla or excuse me, um, one of these um, TEDx kind of conferences. And they were asking him all these questions, you know, what should be banned? Should this be banned? Should that be banned? All of this. And Elon's response, he said, look, in my view, the way Twitter should operate should simply to comply with the laws of the country in which they're operating. That's it. Go with the laws of the country. So if India's got a certain set of laws, you go with India's laws. If the United States has a certain set, if the European Union has a certain set, you go with whatever the law, the legislators are willing to put up and actually enact into law because that's our system. That's how it's supposed to work. He doesn't want to get into this game. And keep in mind that all of corporate America all of the ruling class, all of the regime is going to come down on his head now because it looks like we are in the final stages of negotiations of this deal for Elon Musk to purchase Twitter. And Bloomberg and Reuters both had the story out this morning. Twitter Inc. is in the final stretch of negotiations, about a $43 billion sale to Elon Musk. Keep in mind that number is probably going to go up a little bit that could rank as one of the biggest ever leveraged buyouts of a listed company, people with knowledge of the matter said. The social media company is working to hammer out terms of a transaction and could reach an agreement as soon as Monday if negotiations go smoothly. And keep in mind, he's asking or he's offering them uh, something like 30% more than that the company is actually worth. So it's going to be very hard for them to say, right, it's going to be very hard for them to say, well, you know, it's, it's not enough. And it's also, you know, it's, it's not really realistic to think that you're going to find another buyer that quickly who's just willing to put up that much money and do all this work the way that Musk is. It's not going to happen overnight. So they're basically saying, look, uh, we're going to go with this. Uh, Musk is lining up partners for the acquisition, continues to speak to potential co-investors. And it looks as though, um, where is it? Twitter started warming up to a potential deal after Musk revealed a financing plan for the unsolicited bid that included backing from Morgan Stanley and other institutions. 
And so keep in mind, keep in mind, right? He's going to be financing this thing. By the way, how nice must it be that when you um, when you reach the net worth of Elon Musk, you essentially are able to take out loans based on the value of your share. He's taking out these loans based against the value of the shares that he holds in Tesla, which is where he derives um, a great extent of his net worth. And so it's basically you go to Morgan Stanley and say, yeah, I, I give me a loan because, well, look how rich I am. Right. And so I get a loan based on that. Must be nice. Must be nice. But hey, you got to stand for it. And I think a lot of people um, have said this, but, you know, it's like Elon Musk. Finally, the first time a guy has gotten that rich and decided to actually do cool stuff with his money, right? To actually go in and say, you know what? I think I want to improve society somewhat, and I think freedom of speech is important, and so we're actually going to spend this money to create a system of free speech. And keep in mind that he's saying that, and he has said this as well at that TED conference, that he doesn't look at this as an economic decision. So he's not even sure if he can make Twitter profitable. Twitter's never been profitable, right? He's not even sure if this is going to be something that he's sinking his money into and it's going to be great for investors. I mean, it'll certainly go up for the time being, but if he takes it private, now you got to start making money again. You can't go back to the stock market every time. So what's he going to do? How's it going to look? And keep in mind, though, folks, this isn't just going to happen overnight. The same way when we said, if you think they'll just let you take your country back, without a fight, you're ridiculous. If you think that they are just going to let Elon Musk walk in, swoop in from the rafters, and take Twitter back to where it was in 2016, in 2015, 2014, where it actually was a free forum, I think you're, a little being, you're being a little ridiculous. This is the real world. And there are huge, massive powers, billions of dollars on the line to determine what is allowed to be said and what should be censored, what should be suppressed in that form. So we'll see. We'll see. Are they going to go after Tesla? You better believe it. Are they going to go after SpaceX? You better believe it. But I applaud Mr. Musk on this move. We're backing him, and we hope to see what comes next. Look at how hard they are trying to stop Elon Musk from taking over Twitter. Corporate America is doing anything they can to push ESG, to push DEI, wokeism, all this stuff across the board. We are starting to understand that if we want to change this nation, you have to change the way the marketplace works. And that's what Elon Musk is doing because these woke corporations are seeking to divide us. The big banks are freezing the accounts of people who disagree with their political views. And our supply chain is dependent upon countries like China that are actively working against our values. It's time for a change and that change starts with you and your wallet. That is why I've been proud to partner with Public Square the largest directory of freedom-loving businesses our nation has ever seen. That's what Public Square is. Public Square is the first app that connects freedom-loving Americans with their local community and the businesses that share their values. Now, whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that you took a stand against, the COVID mandates, or a bank that would never cancel you for your political views, Public Square is your guide. Just download the Public Square app from Apple App Store or Google Play, create a free account, and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can find you today. Go download the app, Public Square. That is Public Square, Public SQ. President Trump has claimed that this invasion, quote, never would have happened in the Trump administration. I've heard that you have also suggested that Putin might not have gone to war if Trump was still in office. And you said, quote, 
You don't need to go to war if you're getting everything you want through other means. Um, tell me what you meant by that. Trump was um, very dismissive of NATO. I mean, dismissive is obviously a diplomatic word, very critical of NATO, critical of our allies. And his close associates, including John Bolton, have said that if he had won a second term, he would have pulled us out of NATO. I mean, why go to war if you're Vladimir Putin, if the United States is going to present, um, you know, kind of the, the, the corpse of NATO on a silver platter? You don't need to do that. So the voice you're hearing there, dancing around, tiptoeing, that's former Obama ambassador to Ukraine out of Kiev, Marie Ivanovich. The same Marie Ivanovich who put me on a list. Yes, that's right. Put me on a list because we were talking about what Hunter Biden was up to with Burisma in Ukraine. And you listen to what Marie Ivanovich did right there. And it's amazing because she realizes it. And if you go watch the full interview, she's got this out there. She realizes the huge mistake that she's made in saying, well, of course, if President Trump was, you know, still involved, then, you know, if you're Vladimir Putin, why do you even invade at that point? (laughs) She's kind of making the point that President Trump's diplomacy actually was preventing a war from breaking out and actually would have been better for the people, obviously, had a war not broken out on their territory because his diplomacy was working versus whatever it is that's going on now. It's not diplomacy. It's actually just money laundering for Raytheon, right? Support Raytheon. I stand with Raytheon. You know, we should, they should make a, um, you know, maybe yeah, right before, um, you know, Elon Musk buys Twitter, Raytheon should come, al- come along and give you like a Raytheon emoji so you could put that in your Twitter profile. And so it says, I stand with Raytheon. And so everybody knows, everybody knows, I stand with them. Raytheon, of course, Uh, Our Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, had been on the board of Raytheon. Raytheon also one of the principal manufacturers of what? The Javelin missile system. So every time Javelins are sent over, guess what? People are making money. They're making money with every single one of these shipments. And I really appreciate the fact that Donald Trump Jr. last week actually did call this out. He specifically said, what was his line? Um, Big Pharma had their their turn at the trough. Now it's big wars turned at the trough, and that's exactly what's going on day after day after day. So Yovanovitch, getting back to it, she admits, she admits that the foreign policy of the Trump administration was keeping Ukraine safe. She admits it. And then she says later on the interview, because she gets pressed on this, and, and because the reporter, and as, as the late great Rush Limbaugh uh, used to always say, in a random act of journalism, Right. A random act of journalism occurs and she says, well, would that have been better for the people of Ukraine? And then Yovanovitch goes, well, it's you know, we're 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 we're, we're speaking in hypotheticals. Right. She falls to pieces. She goes, well, we're speaking in hypotheticals. Really, you know, you know, diplomats shouldn't do that. You know, we really shouldn't discuss what what ifs and could have. And it's a joke. And I hope people realize how much of a joke this is. This is your regime, by the way. This is your power structure. This is your ruling class. This is what happens when they're asked basic questions. This is why these people don't go on Joe Rogan, by the way. Or when they do, and he actually asks them hard questions, they have no idea how to answer because they've never actually been challenged once in their lives on any of their presuppositions. Because in their mind, it was simple. Trump, bad. Biden, good. Right. Trump, bad, Biden, good. That's that's it. 
And so anything he does, if you actually consider the compact, the consequences of his actions, if you consider, right, exactly what was going on and the fact that we didn't have wars breaking out during the Trump administration, we had peace breaking out during the Trump administration. That's what was happening. Middle East, it was getting peace accords signed. Kosovo and Serbia had a peace accord signed, by the way, in Europe, which of course nobody talks about, right? And he was working that fine line between Ukraine and between Russia. We were seeing this. And by the way, for those who say, you know, he was a Putin puppet and everything, he was the only person who was calling out the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and was championing American LNG exports into Europe. And he was trying to get these LNG facilities built in Poland and Germany so that American LNG would be shipped over and then be sold. And who does that benefit? Oh, that's right, the American people. That's a little something that, you know, back in the day, they used to call um, trade. They used to call that trade, right? So we sell things abroad that people buy, and then we reduce the things that we buy from abroad. And then we have this thing, it's crazy. I know, I know it's crazy. We're not supposed to talk this way anymore. We have this thing called potentially, potentially a balance of trade. And maybe even, maybe, I know, I know it's crazy. I know I'm, I'm, I'm talking, you know, it's like I'm talking in tongues here. A trade surplus where wealth is actually being derived from the trade relationships and going back to the American people. And you know that um, the term 1776 is actually a term that's sometimes used in politics today. I don't know if you've noticed our state seal here in Georgia. I know you're not from Georgia, but as you can see, we we enjoy our history and, and we're proud of our freedoms. 1776 is on our state seal. Great. And it's also a term that's used in political discourse in America today. I don't use it as a term of violence. Well, that's Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, the notorious MTG, in what seems to be a courtroom trial, right, where she's being grilled, absolutely grilled by this this attorney down there. And it was held in Atlanta. And I actually have to apologize because I did not realize that those proceedings were going on last Friday. And if they were, I would have hyped that thing up like UFC. I would have hyped that up like crazy because I didn't realize she was actually going to be taking the stand. She did take the stand and she absolutely killed it. She killed it like Tyson Fury, just uppercut after uppercut politically, 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 of course, caveat, caveat, caveat. What do I mean? Because when she was up there, and what's this thing? All right, what's going on? Why is she, why are they doing this? Apparently, these Blue Anon lawyers, you know what Blue Anon is, that's the crazies on the left. They came up with this reading of the 14th Amendment that says, if you took part or incited an insurrection against the United States, that you can no longer stand for office in the United States. And what does that mean? So that meant for uh, Confederates or people who had joined the Confederacy, who which obviously um, was uh, a war between the United States and you know the Confederate States. And so then after the war, they weren't allowed to then serve in Congress. Okay, that's the point of the amendment, right? That was one of the post-war amendments that was signed and passed. So they're trying to apply that to her using this completely insane version of the reading 
to claim that the events that took place on January 6th, a protest and parts of which turned into a riot, constitute an insurrection, never been like proven or decided anywhere, and therefore she should no longer be on the ballot again. That's the level of insanity that's going on in our country. They were trying to disqualify her in the name of democracy. So in the name of democracy, you can't vote for your representatives. You can only vote for your approved representatives. That's what they call democracy now. It's a sham, and we should call it out, and we should absolutely call out these tactics wherever they're used. So they put her on show trial. They put a sitting congresswoman on a show trial trying to kick her off the ballot to not even allow her the opportunity. Keep in mind, the opportunity of the people of her district to decide whether or not they wanted to have this woman represent them in the Congress. That's the way the system is supposed to work. It's not up to you. It's not up to lawyers. It's not up to judges, right? It's up to the people. The people get the choice. They can choose no. Sure. That's the whole point. That's why you have primaries. That's why you have generals. There's also another part of this where they start at one point asking her, they said, they said, Congressman, have you seen the movie Independence Day? And she goes, I don't know. I mean, I don't watch a lot of movies. <laughs> and he's asking her about this line that, of course, we all know the iconic scene where the president says, you know, uh, we will not go quietly into that night. We will fight on. We're going to survive. Right. And so he plays that clip from Independence Day for her and says, now, isn't that similar to what you said on January 6th? She looks at the guy and goes, yeah, I don't think Independence Day is the first time they saw it, they ever said that. And she's right. She actually fact-checks the guy from the stand. He wasn't. That doesn't come from Independence Day. It's a poem. Dylan Thomas, 1947, Rage Against the Dying of the Light. She actually fact-checks this douchebag. And, of course, of course, definitely checks him up against the boards when she says, when you're discussing 1776, we're discussing the founding of our country. So keep in mind, now we know who these people are. These are the people, they want 1619, they want 1984, we want 1776. The choice couldn't be more clear. What you're hearing there is the sound of panic buying that's going on. And not here in the United States for once, that's out of Beijing. Because in the city of Beijing, while Shanghai is still an open prison where they're starving 26 million people, now up in Beijing, they think lockdowns are coming. And so the people of Beijing are rushing to the supermarkets, they're rushing to Carrefour's, they're rushing all over the, all over the city to try to buy up as many food and supplies as they can because they saw what happened down in Shanghai. And they are so terrified that the CCP is about to put them under lockdown the same way. Harsh lockdowns stuck in your own, imagine it, right? Your own home becomes a prison, a prison cell for you and your family, starving you within the confines of the place that you live. That's what the CCP was doing. There's a great video, by the way, that's going viral all throughout China talking about Shanghai, and it's called uh, The Voices of April. 
So April was the month where these lockdowns were constituted. And it's just the voices of regular people talking about their experiences, trying to get food, trying to help get food to others, right, during the terror lockdowns. So the terror lockdowns of Shanghai might now be implemented in Beijing as well. They're going to put terror lockdowns on their own people. Why does this matter? Why does this matter for Americans? Because the authoritarianism of the CCP is the same authoritarianism they are trying to institute here. They call it the Great Reset. They call it the Party of Davos. They call it the, you know, the World Act, whatever, right? Whatever you call it, ESG, DEI, all these little acronyms they come up with. It's authoritarianism. That's what it is. Now, also in CCP news, we're hearing that China has just signed a military security agreement with the Solomon Islands. And Australia and their Prime Minister Scott Morrison and the United States have come out saying that if they institute a military base in the Solomon Islands, which are very close to Australia and New Zealand, that it would be a red line for Australia and the United States. So keep in mind that when you're using that type of language, and this goes back to President Obama and Syria, when you're using the language of red line, we need to be very clear about this. Scott Morrison, Australia, the government of Australia, is threatening military action on the Solomon Islands should they allow China to build a base in, on their sovereign territory. Keep in mind, the Solomon Islands, that's a sovereign nation. They're a sovereign Pacific island. They have their own diplomacy, their own government. But Australia is threatening military action with the backing of the United States, a Five Eyes partner, over this. And why? Right, why? Because it's about your security. And so keep in mind that when you look at the Ukraine situation, when NATO was talking about putting military bases and missiles in Ukraine, the Kremlin took it as a threat. The Kremlin looked at it as being a red line against their security interests. When the Soviet Union was putting missiles in Cuba back in the 1960s, the United States blockaded Cuba because they saw it as a red line. Understand, this is the way the world works. And the United States is starting to realize that whether it be China, whether it be Russia, whether it be India, whether it be at Brazil, people are not just going to do whatever it is you say anymore. And that is all the time we have here today, Human Events Daily. Remember our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you. Be good, be brief, be gone. And your homework for us, share this out with one, just one of your normie friends. What did we talk about today? Elon Musk and the Twitter board close to finalizing a deal. And you know the regime is going to respond to that. Next, Obama's Ukraine envoy admitted on live television that Putin probably wouldn't have invaded Ukraine under President Trump. Third, Blue Anon putting Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene on trial over being an insurrectionist. And finally, Beijing is planning terror lockdowns as the CCP as a military base in the Solomon Islands. But before we go, it's time for today's history break. Today, the Hubble Space Telescope in 1990 was put in place by the crew of the space shuttle Discovery. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.